um, just feel compelled to, to share this. I learned this morning that um, in Indonesia, uh, there was a family uh, that strategically bombed several churches. Um, <laughs> here we are, um, many of us probably on Mother's Day, and we're as a family trying to figure out how to strategically uh, color coordinate in our dress and make it to church on time. And um, there were probably many families that were doing the same thing in Indonesia, and when they got there, there was um, bombs waiting on them. And so uh, I share that because Christ Community has, uh, amongst many others, entered into a partnership with a group of underground church uh, planters and pastors in Indonesia. And so, uh, man, when, when they hurt, we hurt with them. And so um, I just wanted to, to begin this morning by um, being mindful of the fact that... Uh, um, it costs something to follow Christ, and our brothers and sisters are, um, are in the middle of that, and we want to pray and stand with them in prayer. And we, uh, we've maybe even seen the power of prayer already this morning, right, as we see how it changes people's lives. So I want to pray um, for them as we begin this morning. And then also, uh, if you want an action step on that, there's, there's a couple really, okay? So over here on this Connect board, you'll see prayer cards for several of the pastors that we support. Um, don't put that stuff online and social media, stuff like that, but take it with you, and it tells a little bit of their story and how you can be praying with them. Great thing to do with your family, actually. Uh, it's amazing what little kids will retain um, when you begin to pray with them. So um, that's one thing. The other thing is that uh, a couple of us, uh, Gary and Phil, are going back in July, and uh, we continue to support them financially, and whenever you give to Christ Community, you're giving to missions like that and others. So um, we've got cans in the back if you want to give today. To, to be a part of that. So let's pray for our brothers and sisters in Indonesia. Let's pray for our time in the Word this morning, Mark chapter 5, and, uh, and let's dive in. So, God, thank you. Um, thank you for going outside for us, for sending Jesus from, uh, from heaven down to earth so that he could come and live a perfect life and redeem us, pay for our sins, set us free from our sins. Thank you. Jesus, for going outside for us. Um, Jesus, we know that our brothers and sisters in Christ in Indonesia, they go outside every day and it looks different than, than what we could ever even imagine. They put their life at risk to say, I love Jesus. And so, Father, we, uh, we just mourn with them this morning as, uh, as they go through this. We stand with them in prayer. We pray, Father, that uh, you would encourage their hearts and their faith. We pray, God, that you would inspire us uh, to live out our faith and maybe even just a glimpse of how they do. Father, we pray for our time in the Word this morning. We know that your Word never returns void. We know that uh, you're using your Spirit to teach us and, and change us and transform us. And so, Father, I pray that the good news of the gospel, that you deliver us from, from so many destructive things in this world, would ring true in our hearts and minds as we jump into your scripture today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so that's one of our mission partners. Um, big thing at Christ Community is our mission partners. They, they make the mission go. And we, we love serving with mission partners all over the city. Uh, and it's, it's really been amazing to see how God has um, birthed new organizations, how he's built up existing ones, how he's expanded the influence of 
different nonprofits and, and ministries around our city. And it's really cool because um, in many ways they've started to work together and you're seeing things happen that, uh, that haven't happened before. And it's really amazing to think that eight years ago, um, Open Door of Hope was just beginning. Like it was a thing on paper and a building. Um, Operation Care, ALC, they weren't in their facilities that they're in now. Um, there was no Awake Ministries. Um, it's so amazing to think about what God has done in that time. But one of the most exciting things is, is how he's bringing them together and making greater impact. Um, one of those things that we saw in August of 2016, several groups um, and individuals came together to host the March to Recovery. Anybody, anybody a part of that? Anybody remember going to that March to Recovery? We, we started at the fairgrounds and we walked down Main Street and we rallied on the courthouse steps. Anybody remember that going on? And um, maybe, maybe not. No one remembers that. <laughs> Just making sure you're still out there. So um, it, was like a, it was an incredible day. Thousands of people, thousands of people marching from the fairgrounds to the courthouse, raising awareness about the drug, drug epidemic here. And while the task certainly is not completed, right, like it's, it's still a thing, there's been so many new initiatives and ministries that have formed as a result of people just realizing, hey, this is going on here. And um, I will never forget on that day, I was honored uh, to interview a lady who was the mother of a teen who lost his life to drug abuse. It was, it, it was emotional that day on the courthouse steps. As she told her story and as she encouraged people to, to get in the light and, and to live for Christ. But what was more impacting to me was the time that I spent with her leading up to that, where I learned her story for the first time. And I listened as she described the events that seemed harmless to her in the moment. Little behavior things or patterns or, or things that she would notice about her son. But, but when reflecting on them, she realized that all those little things had been small signs, small glimpses of the destruction that was happening in her son's life. And as she painfully laid these details out for me, I just listened. And I really wasn't sure what to say or to do. And, and it was really strange because I found myself wanting to distance myself from, from that story. This, expo this story exposed to me the darkness of the drug epidemic, and it was, it was really scary. Like, I didn't want to be near that. I didn't want to be close to that. And when she finished telling me her son's story, she told hers. And it was the story of a mother. A mother who watched her son be destroyed by drugs. And her story was that when she saw all that happen, she realized that her own life was very distorted and destroyed by the same things. So our passage today isn't your traditional Mother's Day passage as we go through the book of Mark, but it shares the story of a man who himself was being destroyed by Satan. Absolutely obliterated and distorted and messed up by what Satan was doing in his life. And we find his story in Mark chapter 5. If you remember from last week, or if we can catch you up a little bit, Jesus was in the boat with his disciples. A storm came up, and uh, they didn't have enough faith, and so he had to calm the storm. And so um, now as we come into chapter 5, they've made it to the other side of the lake. And uh, the other side of the lake, getting to the other side, was a really challenging thing because it meant ministry to the Gentiles. And, um, and so they came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerasenes. As soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. 
He lived in the tombs and no one was able to restrain him anymore, not even with a chain. Because he often had been bound with shackles and chains, but he had torn the chains apart and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Now, I don't know what it was like to be this man. I don't know what it was like to be this man's family. I don't know what it was like to be the disciples that day as they got off the boat and saw this man coming at them. But I would imagine that it was scary. What is this unclean spirit? What does it mean to to be uh, destroyed by Satan? What do we know about demons? Well, we know demons are real. We know that Jesus was accused of being possessed by one, and he wasn't because he was bringing them out of people. We know that demons are opposed to God. We know that they're invisible. And, and we know that they joined Satan in his mission to destroy God's creation, namely us. Satan is out to destroy us. We're not told how the demons entered these men and took control, but possibly it was the result of their yielding to sin. Demons are unclean spirits, and they can easily get a foothold in the lives of people who cultivate sinful practices. And here we, we see in this moment these guys, and because they had yielded to Satan, these two men lost everything. They lost their homes, the fellowship of their families and friends. They lost their decency as they ran around the tombs naked. They lost their self-control. They lived like wild animals, screaming, cutting themselves, frightening the citizens. They lost their peace and their purpose for living. Saying, okay, we're all... We're all sane at the moment, or so we think. So how does this apply to us? It shows us that there is nothing that Satan won't use to try and destroy us. There is nothing that he won't try to take from us. He will use the false sense of connectedness of social media to draw out false assumptions and unhealthy comparisons. He will use drugs that tell us that we can't live without them to distort our thinking to the point that everything else in life is destroyed. He'll use money, whispering to us that God is blessing us when oftentimes through debt and the selfish desire for more, we destroy our families and our lives in pursuit of that money. He will use the pursuit of success and power to tell us that we don't need sleep, we don't have time to exercise, or we can just grab some fast food on the way. And before we know it, the physical bodies that we've been given by God are destroyed and distorted. Satan will use anything to try and mess you up. So what are we going to do? How do we battle back against this Satan who is using all things to try and make us unclean? Well, we got to get clean, right? we got to get clean. James 4.8 says this, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Sounds easy enough, right? Wash your hands, get clean, stay clean, and everything else will be great. A few years ago, uh, on the 4th of July, we were uh, in our backyard hanging out with our kids, and Preston uh, just started to get very lethargic. He started to get very white, and a couple of days earlier, we had found a a spot um, on his bottom, okay? Um, This poor kid, he's not going to live this stuff down. Oh, to be a preacher's kid. So, um, like, he, like, the life is just draining out of him, and we're like, we don't know what's going on. His fever was really high, 
And so it's the 4th of July, which makes going to medical facilities awesome. And so we go, and um, sure enough, he has MRSA in his bottom. All right? Kid's still in diapers at this point. So he has to have surgery to, to remove the infection, a very deadly infection, like MRSA can kill you. And so he has to have surgery to remove this. And then they get done with the surgery, and they're like, all right, you just have to keep it clean for six weeks. We're like, the kid wears diapers. He has a hole in his bottom. Like, how does this work, right? And uh, the challenge was insurmountable, right? You, I mean, we could, we could wrap it. We could put as many things on it. We could put tape on it. But no matter how hard you try, when you have a kid in diapers who has MRSA on his bottom that you're trying to keep clean, there is no way that you're keeping it clean. Moms, amen. Okay, all right. Just making sure we are all in agreement that it's impossible to keep this thing clean. The same is true in our lives, right? We put on our Sunday best. We try to do good things to cancel out the bad. But in the end, the sin in our lives, we can't clean it up. We can't keep it away from the junk in our drawers. Just saying. Right? It's there. No matter how hard we work, there was no way we were going to keep that wound clean. And no matter how hard you work, you are not going to keep yourself clean. You can't avoid sin. You can't cancel out every wrong with a right. You can't serve your way out of sin. You can't give your way out of sin. And in fact, when we try to do these things, it often gets worse. It often gets worse. Jesus said something interesting about these unclean spirits in Luke chapter 11, and uh, it just rang true with me as I read it this week. In verses 24 through 26, he says, When an unclean spirit comes out of a person, it roams through waterless places looking for rest and not finding rest. It then says, I'll go back to my house that I came from. Wow. How many of you have experienced something like that with sin? You find a way to avoid a sin, to to find some accountability partner, right? Like you do something to to avoid a sin that you've had, and it seems to stay away for a while. But then it says, I'll just go back to the house that I came from. And returning, it finds the house swept and put in order. You think you've got it figured out. You think you've figured out how to beat that sin that has lingered in your life for so long. But then it goes and it brings seven other spirits more evil than itself and they enter and settle down there. And as a result, that person's last condition is worse than the first. Wow. It's like Jesus knew us and created us and knew how we functioned. So often when we try to get ourselves out of trouble, we end up in more trouble than when we started. No matter how hard we try, we can't clean ourselves up. And even when we think we have things cleaned up, the grossness is still on us. I'm just having fun telling stories about my kids and their bodily fluids today. So what's another one? <clears throat> just this week, we've got a new baby named Magnolia, and uh, I was getting the kids ready for school, and I hear Caitlin saying, Blake, just come down here. Uh-oh. So I just come down there, and Magnolia has threw up everywhere. 
Caitlin was already ready for work, so she's got to change clothes, and she's like, I don't even know what to do with her. Just figure it out. <laughs> Just for the record, I didn't pick out the right clothes. <laughs> I'm bad at that, too. But I change her clothes, and, like, we're trying to move to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. And then later on, I come back, and I pick her up out of her bassinet, and I put my hand behind her head. And there in her gorgeous baby hair in the back of her head is vomit that I had not cleaned up. So she's changed. Everything else is cleaned up, but there's still vomit on the back of her head. It was awesome. It was great. And uh, we just figured out how to clean that up too, right? And so I, I tell these things, right, because here's the thing. We don't value the grace of God. We don't value how he makes us clean until we, until we recognize how dirty and messed up and how unable to get ourselves clean as we, as we can, right? Like if we don't understand our sin and our brokenness, if we don't understand that the vomit is still on us even when we think we've got it cleaned up, then we will not appreciate the grace and the goodness and the righteousness that comes to us through what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. So we can sit here and pretend like we're clean, or we can embrace the fact that the vomit's still on us. Let's look and see what happens with this guy named Legion. What do we do when we can't get away from the unclean? What do we do when we realize that that clean, uncleanliness, those unclean spirits, that sin, can't get away from us? What did Legion do? Mark 5, verse 6. When Legion saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him. He ran and knelt down before him. Man, the first step of being changed by Christ is not something we do, but it's a position we take. Where we run and kneel before the only one who can make us clean. And he cried out with a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. For he had told him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. What is your name? He asked him. My name is Legion, he answered him, because we are many. And catch this, he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. The first step of being changed by Christ is not something we do, but a position we take. All throughout the book of Mark, Jesus has been viewed as this really good guy, a servant, the son of man, a miracle worker, a prophet, yes, someone who touted a better way, yes, but he had not been seen as the son of God. But the demons... These evil and unclean spirits, they are always quick to point out that this is the Son of God. They recognize His power often before we do. And so too does the sin and uncleanliness in our own lives. We are pushed by Satan into the things that destroy us because he recognizes the great power of Jesus. He will do anything to avoid Him and everything to destroy us. So when we come to Christ, it's not our own power or ability to overcome our sin. It's Christ's ability to overpower Satan's stronghold of sin in us. So how does, how does Christ overpower that sin? What does he do in the life of the legion and how does that work for us? You see, Jesus delivers you from the destruction that sin has caused in your life. He delivers you from it. So let's see how he delivered legion from these unclean spirits, and think about what it might look in our lives. Verse 11. A large herd of pigs was there, feeding on the hillside. 
I'd like for this to be our memory verse for the week. You just walk around all week. Be like, a large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. Your coworker's like, what'd you say? I, hey, don't worry, I'm, I'm memorizing Mark 5.11. It's okay. All right. That was like a church joke. <clears throat> a large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us to the pigs so that we may enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. The herd of about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea, and they drowned there. Now, there's some really cool stuff to see here when it comes to thinking about what's going on with these pigs. Number one is this. In the eyes of Satan, a pig is as good as a man. A pig is as good as a man. You may remember he begged Jesus, don't send me out of the region. I want to stay here. I want to destroy something. But the pigs were good enough. To Satan, a pig is as good as a man. But then we also see something incredible about Jesus, the Son of God. He gives the things that destroy us permission to leave. He didn't take orders or suggestions from these demonic spirits. He simply gave them permission to leave Legion, and they fled. They ran in fear. He didn't send them to the pigs. They went willingly. They chose to destroy pigs as opposed to leaving the region. And it confirms that Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your joy, kill your faith, and destroy the hope we have in Jesus Christ. But Jesus, Jesus gives that Satan permission to leave. James 2.19 reminds us, You believe that God is one? Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. They run in fear. They will destroy a pig because in Satan's eyes, a pig is as good as a man. And what we begin to see coming together in this story is that when you go out with Jesus, you also have to go away from your sin. They're not mutually exclusive. When you go out with Jesus, you must go away from your sin. You leave your sin at the foot of the cross, where it's paid for, redeemed, and cast away forever. And so when you leave this place today, when you leave the building that we call Christ Community Church, your sin should be at the foot of the cross. When you leave your house in the morning, on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, your sin should still be at the foot of the cross. And when you invite people into your home, you, your sin should still be at the foot of the cross. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we see these two things working together, our faith and belief in Jesus Christ and the cleansing of our lives from sin. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, So then, dear friends, since we have these promises, these promises that Christ makes us new, these promises that he cleanses us from our sins, let us cleanse ourselves from every impurity of the flesh and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. You don't have to keep being destroyed by the things of this world. You don't have to keep being destroyed. There's two sides of the coin. If we are getting destroyed by life, we have to both be delivered by Jesus and cleanse ourselves from impurity. When you believe in Jesus, but you don't walk away from your sin, 
you still got sin vomit on the back of your head. When you work to have a morally clean life, but you don't have Jesus, you still have sin vomit on the back of your head. It's only when Jesus is delivering you from the source of your sin vomit and you are cleaning the sin vomit off of you that you begin to experience the freedom of new life in Christ, of being changed, of growing in your faith, of walking the walk, of being a follower of Christ, of being what we like to call an outsider, someone who will join Jesus in the mission of serving all those who are created in his image. Yeah, I think there's moments in everyone's life where we become painfully aware of sin. We become painfully aware of the destruction that sin is creating in us. It feels like an asteroid storm or whatever is going, like, I don't know, into the world stuff right there, right? All of a sudden, there's an urgency to figure out what to do with our sin. And we run to Jesus. And he says, oh, leave all your sin right there at the foot of the cross. But there's a little bit of room in the back. (laughs) What can I take with me? I want Jesus, but I'm not sure I want to let go of, fill in the blank, that lifestyle, that relationship, that money, that time. We're still holding on to our time as if it's our own. But it's only when we go out with Jesus and away from our sin that gospel transformation starts to happen. Every time we throw something in the back of our proverbial SUV, we are giving Satan an opportunity to destroy us. Ephesians 4.27, simplicity. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Don't give him an opportunity. You see, it's only when we get to that point of abandonment and sacrifice where we say Jesus is enough, He can deliver me. I trust in him. So I'm going to walk away from everything else that could be sin in my life. And I'm going to walk towards him. That we have a chance to change. And to live the life that he's called us to. What does that transformation look like in your life? What's going to be different? Let's read the end of Legion's story. Verse 14. The men who tended the pigs ran off and reported in the town and the countryside, and people went to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed, sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs. Then they began to beg him to leave their region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. Jesus did not let him. Like, wait, what? But he didn't let him. But he told him, go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out and he began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And they were all amazed. See, what this man Legion did was he went out to be with Jesus. He came and he ran and he knelt at his feet and he said, please deliver me from this. But then he was willing to admit and to face all the sin and uncleanliness and and all the nasty stuff that was destroying his life. He was willing to go back to the very people who knew him as this raging demoniac and say, can I just tell you a story? 
And in that, he not only walked with Jesus, but he walked away from his sin. Facing it and saying, I am new because Christ lives in me. When you tell the story of how Jesus delivered you from your destruction, you shut the door on Satan's toe. And that hurts. When you tell the story of how Jesus delivered you from your destruction, you beat back those temptations that want to, to swallow you whole and that seem to circle back and make things worse in your life than better. When you tell the story of how Jesus delivered you from destruction, you crush the lies that Satan wants you to believe with the truth that Jesus has set you free from those things. When you tell the story of how Jesus delivered you from destruction, you find clarity in the midst of your crazy life. All of a sudden... All the stuff, all the things that are crazy and just you don't know what to do with, they all seem to find, man, just this simple, just everything fades away. When you tell the story of Jesus in you, and people are amazed. People are amazed. You know, as we think about mothers, I think about what it was like to be the mother of Legion. For years, knowing that your son was the one who was living out in the tombs, demon-possessed, crazy, people would say, hurting himself. I can't imagine how wounded she felt in those days. But I also can't imagine how she felt on the day that Legion walked back into town, dressed and in his right mind, and telling everyone in town, Jesus changed my life. That's my boy. This mom's proud. One more story about my bride and my kids. I love to shop for Caitlin with our kids for two reasons. One, I'm a really bad gift giver, so I can just take the kids and be like, the kids picked it out. It's safe. That's the number one reason. Number two is because I get to see their heart, right? I get to see how they show love and how they do that. So it's a ton of fun to just give them some money and watch them get a gift for her. It's a lot of fun. And it's fun, too, when they get to give that gift to her because they feel like they have really gotten her something all by themselves. Mommy, look what I got for you. When actually, that money came from the bank account that Caitlin worked to fill. It's a beautiful irony, isn't it? It's like, these kids have worked really hard for this, but thanks for working that extra shift. It's, it's awesome. She gives them money, they buy a gift, and they give it to her, and they could never be more proud. But do you realize that in the same way, you have nothing to offer your Heavenly Father? You have nothing to offer him. Every time you serve, every time you sing praise, every time you give money, every time you share the gospel, anytime you do something good, it is only a result of all the good and the grace that he has already put into your bank account. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that is, like, that is the mind-blowing truth of the gospel that I can't even wrap my brain around. That God would love us that much that he would give us good things so that we could give them back. He smiles and we're proud. 
the cycle starts again. Right? By his grace, you can give God the greatest gift of all, and that's yourself. Yourself. Just you. He doesn't need anything else in the car. Just you. When Jesus died on the cross, he wasn't just paying for your sins. He was making a way for you to give yourself to the God who created you. It's not about you. It's about the gift that you will give back to him of yourself. And he beams from ear to ear when you give yourself to God and tell the story of how he changed your life. So the question, it asks itself, right? Would you give him that gift today? Would you give him yourself? Everything that is good in your life is a direct result of the grace and mercy of God that he has invested in you. So would you do the small thing of giving him the gift of yourself today? If you need to do that, and I don't, I don't care where you are, like if you think you've been walking with Jesus for 40 years or if you don't know Jesus yet, if you need to give him the gift of yourself today, spend time in prayer and just tell him that. You can talk to him. Prayer might look like this. Father, thank you for the grace given to me through Jesus Christ. I want to give my life to you today. We'll figure out the next steps, and if you need help doing that, we'd love to talk or pray with you in the back as we respond. But just give him the gift of yourself today. Today, um, as the band comes back up, um, if you need to do that, if you need to give him the gift of yourself, like I said, we'll be in the back at the curtain. If you've already given him that gift and, um, and you're walking with him, then what's cool is every week when we come forward, for those of us who've been baptized in Christ and said we've died to ourselves and we're raised in a new life, when we come forward and we take a piece of the bread and we dip it in the juice, the gluten-free, everything-free bread. What we're doing is we're reminding ourselves that he gave everything, he gave his life to invest in us. And today and tomorrow and the next day is just another opportunity to give a little something back to him, ourself. That's what we do when we take communion. And so if you're a believer in Christ, having been baptized in him, we invite you to come forward and take part in that. Uh, we typically try to go in like a clockwise direction, and that helps with people flow some. As I mentioned earlier, we can respond through giving, we can respond through prayer, we can respond through singing. But whatever it is, wherever you are, take your next step. Give yourself to God. Let's pray. Jesus, it's, um, <clears throat> it's humbling to think of all the, ways that, um, all the ways that we fall short. It's humbling to recognize that uh, you lived a perfect life simply to pay for our unperfect life. 
And so, Father, I pray that the good news of the gospel today in that would pierce our hearts. I pray, God, that uh, we would uh, that we would just come to you with ourself. That's all we need to do. Just give you ourself and tell the story of how you're changing us. Holy Spirit, uh, lead us in this time. Minister to each of us as we need to be ministered to. Give us grace to trust you more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.